believe that there's no one like you, Jesus. No one like you. You're great. You're loving. You're caring. And you didn't just stay in heaven looking on us, but you came down to rescue us, to take us with you, to save sinners like us. This morning, we don't want to fool ourselves thinking how great we are. We are so little, so unworthy to be in this place worshiping you. But you are so great. There is none like you, none like you, Jesus. We want this morning to, to scream it. We want our whole life to say there is none like Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world, the Lion and the Lamb, the Great Conqueror, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus, you are so great and we love you. We just want to lift your name high in this morning, in this place. Be glorified. See your children. Receive all the honor and glory that you are worthy of. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus, there is none like you. Wow. There's nothing better we can say to start this morning. And with the text we have in front of us, just to begin by looking to Jesus, by saying, Jesus, you are so great. Let me tell you something. This morning, we will make much of Jesus Christ in this place. We will look at him. We will try to understand a little bit more through his word how great our God is and how great Jesus is. Are you ready? ready. Can you please show me that you have a Bible in your hand? Do you? Does everyone have a Bible? Okay, it's, it counts if you have a phone that has the Bible on it. <laughs> if you want a Bible this morning, just lift your hand high and someone will give you a Bible that you will be able to follow with us in the text. I am so glad to be with you guys this morning. Like Pastor Ray says, uh, I'm from Quebec. I don't know if you noticed the accent a little bit. Um, I'm so thankful that you are generous enough to bear with me this morning as I bring the Word of God in kind of English. <laughs> but this Word is powerful, and I know that the Lord is great to go beyond the language barriers to uh, touch the heart of His people and change us from one degree of glory to another into the image of His Son. Uh, this morning, like I said, we want to make much of Jesus. Why? Because there's nothing better we can do. We want to look at him. We want to see who he truly is. And as I understand, you are now in part seven, six or seven, seven this morning of a series in the Gospel of John. And that's awesome. Like part seven, and we are still in the first chapter. <laughs> How great is it? It's so, so great, so good. There's nothing better you can do as a church to go through the whole Bible and see what the Lord is saying to us. And you will see this morning, you will hear a little bit more about what the Lord is doing, and about what is the heart of John in writing this gospel. John is just doing one thing throughout this whole book, and you will notice that. And I pray that worship will rise up from your heart this morning as we look at it again. But John is really doing one thing. He's just pointing his finger toward Jesus, saying, Look, 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 behold, see how great this man is. See how awesome this man is. Look at him this morning. He's just saying, Look at Jesus. Understand who he is. And if you truly understand who Jesus is, this will change everything. Everything. 
So that's what I want to do this morning. Because I want to be faithful to the text. And because I want to be faithful to what John is doing. And because that's the most amazing thing we can do in a giving Sunday morning. A.W. Tozer, um, a preacher that I appreciate a lot, said, The most important thing about a man is what comes to his mind when he thinks about God. And I think it's true. And I think the Apostle John will have been able to say the most important thing about a man is what comes to his mind when he thinks about Jesus. The whole point of his book is really clear, really explicit in John's gospel. In chapter 20, verse 31, he says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's really clear. John is just saying you need to understand who Jesus is. Because if you understand who he is, you can believe in him. And if you believe in him, you will have life. And not just a good life here, but eternal life. So we'll look at him again this morning. What is the second pillar of Harvest Bible Chapel, Ottawa? You can look at the banner. It will give you a little help. Lifting high the name of Jesus. It is so important. And this morning we will read this text and pray together. And then we will unfold another uh, two disciples that John is pointing us to. That are explaining a little bit more. Telling us a little bit more about this Jesus. And then we will finish with verse 1551. Where Jesus himself is giving his own testimony about who he is. How good is this? And it's the first time that Jesus is telling something about himself in the book of John. And that's so powerful. So let's read John 1, verse 43 to 51. I think it will appear on the screen. Will it? Yes? Okay, great. John 1, 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you first of all for your word. Thank you for not leaving us empty-ended. But you gave us this book. You gave us your written word, your living and active word. 
And this morning we just want to look at it and, and find in it life. Father, I pray that you will show to every one of us in this place that you are here. We are not alone in this place. It's not just a meeting of people together trying to entertain themselves. But we are coming here to meet with you. Holy Spirit, change the lives of every one of us, of me and of every one of my brothers and sisters in this place. We need you so much. I pray that worship will rise up from every one of our hearts after reading this text and understanding what you're telling us about yourself and about your son, Jesus Christ. Get much glory from this morning, Father. Father, I pray that you will see the seeking heart in this place, the authentic, the, the one who is here in this place that is truly seeking truth, that is truly seeking to, to receive answers to his questions, truly seeking to, to find what is the meaning of all this life. Father, I pray that you will reach the lost in this place. Save. I pray. And make us who are your children already more passionate worshipers and more passionate doers of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here, we see in the narrative that John is trying to teach us something. You already heard probably about the coming of Andrew to Jesus in the previous text. But John is really teaching us something. What we see in this text is that Jesus is almost not going to anyone to take them to be his disciples. He's not reaching out to anyone in this text except maybe for Philip. But they are all coming to Jesus because someone else talked about Jesus to someone else. You see John the Baptist, you see, he saw Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And that's a clear statement to say, okay, my time is done here. You need to follow him now. And then you have John and Andrew that begins to follow Jesus. And what is the first thing that Andrew does after meeting with the Lord? He's going out to his brother Peter and says, Peter, we have found the Messiah. You need to come and meet with him. Then Peter comes and Jesus changed Peter's life. And then you see what? Jesus goes to Galilee in our text this very morning. Verse 43, Jesus goes to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. And what is the very next things we see in the text? Philip goes out and finds Nathanael. John is telling us something. John is teaching us through the narrative of this text. He's saying to us that someone who really met with the Lord Jesus Christ can do but one thing. Go out and seek for someone else to talk about Jesus and bring him to Christ. So the only fitting question we can ask ourselves as we begin to read this text and we see this, this narrative in the first chapter is, are we doing it? Is there any followers of Jesus Christ in this place? You know, when Jesus said to Philip in, in this text and, in, and to uh, Andrew, he says, follow me. But following Jesus is not, it's not just, you know, let's go to the stars together and go back where you were. The follow me is really a call to say, I will live now my whole life as a follower of Jesus Christ. I will follow you to anywhere you're calling me. Even preaching in English in Ottawa. Following Jesus is 
what we just sang. We trust you. We trust you. Whatever that means, whatever you, wherever you bring me, we trust you. We just want to follow you. And it cannot be contained in our heart. We need to go out and reach somebody else. So we need to ask us the question, are we doing this? Jesus is calling disciples. And, and that's how Jesus is building his church from, the, from day one. Jesus is building his church when he's calling someone to follow him. And that person go out and find someone else. And it comes. And the other person finds someone else. And it comes. And how will Harvest Ottawa will grow How will uh, Iglis Daxa in Brussels will grow? It will be by followers of Jesus Christ. People who have met the Lord in person and says, Yes, I met him. And go out and say, You need to come. And you need to meet with him. And we will see that again in this text. There's a pattern and John is teaching us through that. You can write down this very simple sentence. Knowing Jesus implies making Jesus known. Knowing Jesus implies making Jesus known. So here we have that story of Philip meeting with the Lord and then going out to, found, to find Nathanael. And we see the experience of Nathanael meeting. We don't know a lot about Philip meeting with the Lord. We only see him coming to him and Jesus said, follow me. End of the story. And then Philip goes out and reaches someone else. And we have that story about Nathanael. And we will see those two things this morning. First of all, Philip's testimony, verse 43 to 46. What we see in this text is, again, people giving us a little mo bit more information about who Jesus is. Verse 43, read it again with me, to 46. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. You see, that that's really just a parenthesis here. It's really funny that the first disciples were all a gang of, of friends from the same little city. Fishers, fishermen. They were all from the same little place. And Jesus, go there and just change everything. Who will be the first church, the first disciples of Jesus Christ? A gang of, of friends from Galilee. It's so amazing. You can do anything with people from anywhere and from any background. Okay, let's read. Um, verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. You see, one thing that we need to understand Uh, and one thing that we need to know to understand what is going on in this passage, there's a very high intensity in the conversation. And to grasp it, we need to understand a little bit of the context. There's, a, there's a, something very, um, very awesome and big and massive that Philip is saying to Nathanael. But if we don't have this background of scriptures, we cannot understand what he's saying. It, there's a beauty in that conversation. What we need to know is that the first disciples were all Jews. Probably going to the synagogue together every week. Hearing about the word of God every week. They were learning scriptures and searching in scriptures. And they were hearing and memorizing scriptures. And they were hearing prophecies about the Messiah that will come one day. Since, since they were little kids, they were hearing the word of God again and again and again. 
And all good Jews of that time will have known many texts of scriptures. They will have known many prophecies, very important, very core prophecies to their faith. And we will see two together this morning because they are uh, directly um, pointed to in this text. But many texts of scriptures were prophecies about a man named in Hebrew, the Messiah. In Greek, the Christos. That gave us the English word Christ. That means the anointed one. The Jews were waiting for this, this man to come. This Messiah that will save them. That will rescue them. They will learn those scriptures. And they heard that for more than a thousand years. Since Moses began to wrote about it. They heard that someone will come. And someone will save them. For many Jews of that time, they will think that the Messiah will be someone who will save them on a political level from the Roman Empire that was oppressing them. Many did not understand the full scope of what this Messiah will do, but they know, they knew the scriptures. And here Philip is, going, is coming to his friend and he says, Nathanael, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets also wrote. So just to give you a little example, in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 to 22, that's one of the most important prophecy of the whole scriptures. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 to 22, that's Moses' prophecy. And Moses is really central to the faith of the Jews. It was the greatest prophet of their history. And Moses said something very crucial. In verse 15, he says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him, it is to him you shall listen. It is a prophecy that every good Jew will have known at that time. Moses prophesied that someone would come after him. Moses was the greatest prophet. He did all those great things for the Lord. Or the Lord did all great things through him. And he was talking face to face with the Lord. And he wrote the, what we call the Pentateuch, the five first book of the Bible, what they referred to as the law. And he was prophesying, saying, listen, there's someone else that is coming after me. And all the Jews were understanding this passage to talk about the coming Messiah. Someone will come, not just a prophet, but the prophet. You remember in the beginning of uh, John 1, you probably heard that, Ray preached about that, but the Pharisees came to John the Baptist and you can see that in John, uh, in verse 14, I think. No. Verse 21. They asked him, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. And then they asked him, are you the prophet? And he answered, no. What is the prophet they are referring to here? It's the prophet that Moses preached about, that Moses prophesied about, the prophet that is to come. They were waiting for a Messiah to come to them for more than a thousand years. And look at the other passage I will give you. I'll give you two passages because they're the two passages that are referred to here in John 1. And also because Philip is saying to Nathanael that Moses and the prophets talked about someone that is to come. So I give you Moses and then one of the prophets in Daniel 7, verse 13 to 14. And I can, you can just write down the reference. I will read the passage to you. Daniel has this prophecy about the coming Messiah also. It was also a prophetic uh, passage, a passage that was understood by all Jews to talk about the coming Messiah. And he says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, 
With the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days. That, that is referring to God here. And was presented before him. And to him, the son of man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion, listen to this language here. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. We talk about total dominion here. Total authority. We talk about eternity here. Listen. An eternal reign and glory. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. He's not talking about any ordinary man in this text. That's the Messiah. Every serious Jew was waiting for. They heard prophecies from Moses from a thousand, a thousand and four hundred something years ago. And the last prophet that came was 400 years before Jesus. And they heard all those texts and all those scriptures. Imagine, put yourself in his shoes. It's like a little bit like Christian today that are waiting for the coming back of Jesus. Like we heard about it, we read about it in scripture. We know that the Lord is coming back. We don't know the hour. We don't know when. It can be right now, this morning. It can be tomorrow. And with time, sometimes we begin to, to hear those things. And we believe that Jesus is coming back. But we become cynical with it, thinking, yeah, but what's the chance that he's coming back during my life? What is the chance that he's coming back during my time? What, is, what are the chances that I will see him face to face? And Nathanael is there. And his friend is coming to him. Bringing him news about the fact that, you know, the, the Messiah we heard, we heard about since we were kids. You know, the Messiah we hear about every, every week almost in the synagogue, in the teaching time. We have found him. We have found him. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Can you just begin to feel the weight of that statement? That is massive news. That is huge. You, you begin to think, whoa, whoa. Philip, do you, do you know what you're talking about right now? You cannot joke about this. <laughs> the Messiah, the long-awaited one, is here. You know, there's, there's some news that we hear in our life that, are, um, that have such effect on our life, different than others. When I wrote this text, I was thinking about the first time that we, um, that we knew that my wife was pregnant with our first child. I was asleep and she came to the room uh, very uh, early in the morning with this white and blue thing in her hand and she threw it at me in the bed. <laughs> and I was in my bed half awake and I was like, what is it? <laughs> I knew what it was, but it's that kind of news that it's hard to swallow. You're like, for real? <laughs> is it, you're sure you did it right? And she's like, come on. <laughs> And it's not, listen, don't, don't jump to conclusion. We wanted to have a child. It was not an accident. But it's just that kind of news that you're like, okay, we, we wanted it, but now it's, it's there. And you're just shocked. And, and it's, like, it's, it's a joyful feeling. You're like, wow, I'm really going to be a dad. And at the same time, wow, I'm really going to be a dad. Will I be able to be a good father to that kid? That's kind of a joy mixed with fear. You're like... What will it, our whole life will change. This is a life-changing news. Imagine the night when she just hit me in the bed saying, I think it's time, he's coming. 
That's another moment where you're like, okay, you knew it will come someday. <laughs> but, but it's here. I will meet my son today. I will see his face. What will he look like? What will it be? What kind of relationship will I have with this kid? And it's not even close to what Philip and Nathanael are talking about in this text. Like I, We waited for nine months before this baby came. But they waited for centuries hearing about more than just a baby that they will take care of, but a king that they will submit to, a man that will come and will change everything in their lives. This is life-changing news. This is massive. Do you begin to feel the weight of the statement that Philip is coming to say to Nathanael? We have found him. He is here, the Messiah, the one the scriptures talked about. He is here. This man is awesome. And scriptures, listen, there's no scriptures written about me for even a years ago. No one ever wrote about me. I'm not that important. I don't know if someone wrote about you, published it. But there's people writing about this man for centuries. And here he is. This, this, it's a massive introduction to your coming to life. You know, all, all of this. Philip is talking about Moses and the law and the prophets, plural, because, because they were all talking about him. The whole scriptures is pointing to Jesus Christ. They are all talking about the, this Messiah that will come and will change everything. And they just understood that he was coming to save them from Roman's empire, but he was coming to save them from their sin. It's even way bigger than what they imagined. So you can understand the reaction of Nathanael when he hear that. Because Philip just add to his statement saying that this man comes from Nazareth and he is the son of Joseph. When you read that text, you think that's a very ordinary thing to say. What is really important about this, that he comes from Nazareth? It's not only important to see that he comes from Nazareth. It's just... It, it's also very uh, helpful for our understanding. Nazareth is not just a city amongst other cities. It's not just a city like other cities. Nazareth is a despised city by Galileans' people. It's a city that is seen to be so little and nothing good comes out of that city. So we don't know if Nathanael says, when he answered Philip in verse um, 46, he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And it's understandable because he was a Galilean. And Galilean people were just despising people from Nazareth. They were nothing to them. It was a, a little city with a lot of tr troubles and all of this. And, and nothing really massive happened there. Like in Drummondville where I come from. We're talking about that with Pastor Ray this morning. What really great it is about Drummondville. A part that we claim that we invented Putin. <laughs> there's, there's nothing really great about that. And Nathaniel is looking at him saying, Nazareth, really? So we don't know if he's just despising Nazareth because of a cultural thing or because he knew his Bible and he knew that the prophet Micah prophesied that the Messiah will come from Bethlehem. Not Nazareth. What good can come from Nazareth? You're talking about the man scriptures talking about coming from this city, the son of Joseph. Who, who is Joseph? Nathaniel don't even know what he's talking about and he's shocked. And that's understandable. It's, he's confused with that statement. The great Messiah, the long-awaited Savior, come from a little despised city. It tells us much about our Savior, though. 
He didn't come here to the first time to receive praises and glory and, and to show how powerful he was. He showed that in many ways, but he came to humble himself. He came to be the lowest of the lowest because he came to save us. He came to receive the condemnation that we were not able to bear. He came to, the, to die on the cross, receive a punishment that we were not able to bear because of our sin. So this man that was not even talked about before he was 30 years old, <laughs> lived in a little despised city, and all of a sudden, here he is. It's the Messiah, the son of Joseph. It's shocking. But look at the answer of Philip here. I love this answer. I love this because it's so powerful. Even when we think about that, when we think about, I'm supposed to go out and talk to people about Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to, how, how do I know that? Even if our world, in our world today, we're thinking that people are very illiterate when it comes to Bible culture or to Bible knowledge. No one knows who Jesus is anymore. There's not a lot of people knowing anything about the Bible. So you go out and say, here he is. And people are like, who? Jesus. The Messiah. Hmm? What are you talking about? I'm still not following here. So you need to bring them back to scriptures like Philip is doing. He's bringing them back to scriptures. Yes, the scriptures talk about him. But the most important thing is come and see. Nathaniel can have all the arguments about this little despised city saying, oh, the Bible doesn't tell that he's coming from Nazareth. All arguments are killed at this point. Philip is just saying, you know, we can talk for hours. You know what scriptures are talking about. But the thing that you need to do is come and see. Come for yourself and see if what I'm saying is true. Come for yourself and see if this man is really who he says he is. Because if Jesus is who he says he is, it changed everything about us. When you talk to people, you need to point them back to Jesus Christ through scriptures. Because that's, that's the most important thing. You know, the existence of Jesus Christ, the, the fact that Jesus came on earth is not even discussed among, uh, among serious historians anymore. We know that Jesus came. We know that this man Jesus existed. We know that this man Jesus was crucified. That's fact. We know that he was buried. And we know that he's resurrected. They will say we never found his body. But that's the resurrection. <laughs> it's, it's fact. We don't discuss that anymore. But the question that remains is, what will you do with this Jesus? Who is he for you? And Philip is begging Nathanael, come and see. Come and see. What a great evangelist. Sometimes you just need to stop trying to have arguments with people and say, man, come and see. Through the Bible, come and see. Bow down before him. Pray, ask. And look at what follows. We saw that, that Philip is just coming with scriptures. And sometimes when we, we, we talk about Jesus to people, <laughs> we really think that arguments will win them to Christ. If I can explain to him our science is not good and our creation works, and, and if I can just break all his argument and showing that when we, we come to discussion like this, I'm here and you're here and I know more and you know less and I will show you by very good argumentation that Jesus is real. No! At some point, you need to not fool yourself thinking you can win people by argumentation. Jesus needs to do something in their life. At some point, you just need to stop and say, come and see. 
for yourself who this man is. So now let's take a look at the coming and seeing experience of Nathanael. I love how this text is spread out. And we will go to verse 47 to 49. So he showed to him, the word of God is talking about him. Here he is. And now, come and see. And, and Nathaniel will do just that. He's coming to see and to ask his own question and to meet with Jesus. Verse 47 to 49, it says, Jesus saw, listen, Philip is walking with Nathaniel, talking together. We don't know the rest of the conversation, what they were saying to each other while walking toward Jesus. But when Nathaniel come and, and he saw, Jesus saw him from afar, Screaming in front of everybody. He's not just talking to him one-on-one. -on -one. There's people there. And he's saying, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. That's a special story right here. That's powerful. Jesus doesn't even let Nathanael come close to him and doesn't even let Nathanael ask his question. He saw him from afar and goes straight for the heart. He saw him from afar and says, here it is, an Israelite indeed, a true Israelite, an authentic Israelite, a true believer in the Jewish faith. Here he is, in whom there is no deceit. And when you read the story, you see that after that, Jesus refers to Jacob in the story and, and the vision of the ladder. But uh, right here, there's uh, like a wordplay in what he's saying. Because Israelites come from Israel, the man. And Israel was before named Jacob. And you see, you see Nathanael coming to him and he says, here's a true Israel light, Israel type. Jacob was a cheater. When you read in scripture the story of Jacob and his brother Esau, he cheated on him twice. He stole his birthright, giving him food. And after that, he stole his blessing by disguising as his brother, putting some fur on himself and bringing food to his blind father and saying, it's me, your son, Esau, bless me. And his father blessed him. He fooled his own father and he cheated on his brother and his brother said, is it, because, is it not right that you named him Jacob because he cheated on me twice? Jacob was a, a cheater, a deceiver. And Jesus is looking at Nathanael and saying, look, this is not a Jacob, this is a Israel. Because at one point, Jacob met with the Lord. And when he met with the Lord, the Lord changed him. He changed his character and made him a believer and made him transform. And he named him Israel. So he's looking at him saying, that's one, one person that is coming to me right now that is truly seeking the truth of the word of God. Not like the Pharisees, you know, in the story, coming to Jesus, trying to, to get him in a trap or something, trying to get him to say something he should say to be able to kill him because they were jealous of him. No, that's a true Israelite, someone who's really seeking answers, someone who has a pure heart in his Searching for the Lord. And that's so important. Because the Lord will never turn away someone who's coming to him seeking with an authentic heart. I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know what's your heart being here. 
I don't know if you came by yourself, if you're a believer for many years or if you're here for the first time. I remember when I came to church for the first time, a, a friend almost dragged me to church. I didn't want to be there. I don't know what, what's your case this morning. But if you're truly seeking the Lord, you will find answers. If you're coming with an authentic heart, the Lord will answer to you. And Nathanael is declared by the Lord to be someone who's seeking with an honest heart. Not a Jacob and Israel. And Jesus praised the fact that this man was honest. Once again, put yourself in his shoes. He never met this guy before. He never met Jesus before. And Jesus say in front of everybody what his heart is. Jesus is really saying, I know what's in your heart, Nathanael. I know you. And Nathanael is like, you never met him before. And how do you know me? But Jesus answered in such a way that is so Jesus. <laughs> he only does that. He's not even answering to the question directly. Nathanael is saying, how do you know me? And Jesus was answer, who? Look at the text. How do you know me? Verse 48. Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Once again, it's massive. <laughs> because Jesus is saying, I know who you are. I know your heart. I know what's in there. But also, I know everything that is to know about you. I know who you are, and I know what you do. I know your life, Nathanael. I don't know only your heart, but I know also your life. We don't know from scriptures what happened to Nathanael under that fig tree. Some uh, Hebraic literature, rabbinic literature, uh, tell us that the, um, the, um, the shadow of the fig tree is, is often used to talk about uh, prayer and meeting with the Lord. But here, we don't have a clue of what happened to Nathanael under that fig tree. The only thing we know is that it is so significant to him. That the next thing he exclaimed, when Jesus said, I saw you there, he just exclaimed, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Something massive happened to Nathanael under that fig tree. We don't know what. But Jesus is telling him, I know you, and I know everything that is to know about you. That's something about God. He's, he never shares. There's some attributes of God that he never shares with creatures. And here we have omniscience. The fact that God knows everything. Jesus is just displaying that. I know what's in your heart. I know what your life is. And he knows exactly that about you this morning also. It's not an ordinary man that he's talking to. He's talking to the Lord of Lords. It's like Jesus saying, you want to know how? I will tell you who. One thing for sure is that what happened to Nathanael under the fig tree can only attribute it to one person. The Lord. He calls him the Son of God. Not a Son of God. Not any Son of God, like the expression was used often in the Old Testament, but the Son of God. This title was reserved to the Messiah. And it's also saying something about Jesus. The fact that he is the Son of God, he's standing, he is God nature, he is God like, he is deity. Jesus is more than a man. It's God in the flesh in front of him. And I don't know for you, but the experience of Nathanael needs to happen to every one of us. First, we have the testimony of scriptures that Philip is talking about. He's saying the scriptures 
is talking about this man. You need to see him in scriptures. He was announced. He was prophesied about. And here he is. And after that, when you receive the testimony of scripture, you receive that Jesus came to save us and to change our life. And then you have the testimony of the heart. So I could have named the first point the testimony of scriptures instead of the testimony of Philip. And the second point, the testimony of the heart. Of the, we have the external testimony of the word of God and the internal testimony of Jesus changing us and talking to us internally. There's something that needs to happen inside that men cannot produce. That needs to happen from God. It happened to John the Baptist just before he says in verse 33. John the Baptist says, I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me. And he described Jesus. John the Baptist says, he was his cousin. And he says, I did not know him. I did not know who the Messiah was. I did not know who Jesus was. The Lamb of God. But God told me. And here we have the same thing with Nathanael. I saw you. Honestly, how good is it to understand this? Have you ever had that, that moment? Maybe it was like that with Nathanael also. Under that fig tree. Just going through his mind. Talking to God and saying, what is going on in this life? What is it all about? Maybe asking questions that only God can answer. That's why he attributed to Jesus when he... He answered, I saw you. Going through his mind, I don't know for you. I went through these questions and I'm going through them still often today. Am I alone? Maybe in your room, when you're praying and feeling at your prayer or just hitting the roof. Jesus, God, am I alone? Is there's anyone there's no one to really get what I'm going through right now. It's hard. I cannot continue. I feel like no one gets it. No one really knows who I am. No one really knows my heart. If they only knew. You feel like you're just forgotten. And you're calling out to God. God, is it real all this? Are you really there? Are you with me? And maybe you need to hear what Jesus said to Nathanael this morning. I saw you. The story he refers to right after that is Jacob lying down in a place, beginning to sleep. And God gave him a vision. And when he wakes up, what he says is, God was here and I didn't know. In your places where you feel the most alone, when you think that no one is seeing you. God is telling us, I see you. It's really good for many reasons. It's really good for our security. We know that we are never left alone. Whatever happened, Jesus is there with us. Even when you feel like not continuing, like giving up. I'm so weak. I'm empty. I don't have the strength to continue anymore. What is going on? With this life, Jesus sees you. He's with you. And he wants you to know that. And he wanted Nathanael to know, I saw you, Nathanael. You thought you were alone there. But I saw you. I know your heart. I know your life. And I love you and I came to save you. We need to hear that this morning again. Instead of answering how he knows him, he's answering who he is. And that's the testimony of the heart. That's why we beg people, come and see. 
Because arguments cannot do that in the life of someone. My own conversion, I was sitting in a little office alone and there was a Bible on the desk and people talked to, about Jesus to me at many times. I was going to church but not a believer. I had a very messy life not wanting to do anything with the Lord. I just wanted to be the boss of my own life and do what I want and have the much, most pleasure I can have on this planet before dying and rotting in the ground. And I was sitting there with a Bible in front of me and I just cracked it open. Don't do that just for fun. The Lord used that for me, but read the Bible true and true. Read what is saying to you. But I opened it and it was Psalm 51. And I began reading it and the Lord was, it was my, my fig tree moment where the Lord just talked to me and said, I see you. It was my story on these pages. I was reading through Psalm 51 and just hearing my story. I was like, what? this book is not written about me. What is that? It was talking about my sin. It was describing my heart. David in Psalm 51 is saying, my sin was under my eyes. In front of me every single moment. Against you alone I have sinned, O Lord. The Lord was just ripping my heart open, saying, I am here. I know you. I see you. And after that, it says, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. And at the end of the verse saying, I will now use you. You will now teach, I will now teach people about your law. I will teach the transgressors your ways. Wow, the Lord has just met me on that day. And every one of us need to have that moment when we just come honestly to the Lord saying, show me, Lord. And the last point we see here in this text is Jesus' testimony. There's much to say. But we'll go through it, verse 50 to 51. Jesus is just giving now his own testimony about who he is. Philip testimony, scriptures talking about Jesus. Nathanael, the testimony of the heart. Jesus talking to him. I'm here. I see you. I'm with you. I know you. I care for you. And here, Jesus' testimony. It says in verse 50, Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's, that's a story from the Old Testament in Genesis um, 28. And we can read the story really quickly just to get you in context. Genesis 28, verse 10 to 22. It's just... It's just so big. I will just walk you. If you open your Bible to, J to Genesis 28, verse 10, I will just walk you to some of the verses. Jacob has this massive vision. He's lying down uh, at this place. He takes a rock to make a pillow out of it. And he begins to sleep, to rest. He was fleeing from his brother Esau because he wanted to kill him, he thought. And then he went there. And, and God just gave him this massive revelation that all Jews at that time would have known. Because it's central to their faith. Because it's a place that is named, that is central to their worship. And here, verse 10, he says, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. 
Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. You see? Jesus is talking about this passage. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie. And he's giving him the promise that he, was, that he gave to Isaac and that he gave to Abraham. The promise that he will bless him. That his posterity will grow and be multiplied. And they will all be blessed. And look at verse um, 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, Listen, to this vocabulary. It's beautiful. He says, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Verse 19. He called the name of that place Bethel. Listen. Jacob has this massive vision. About heaven open. A ladder that is standing on the ground. Or a stairway most likely. And reaching heaven. Angels of God ascending and descending on it. And he sees the glory of the Lord there. And what he exclaimed when he wakes up, he said, the Lord was here and I did not know it. it that's what Nathanael is experiencing with Jesus. That's the Lord in front of me and I did not know it. What good can come out of Nazareth? That's the Lord in front of you. The Lord in the flesh, Jesus. And he says, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. And in our text today, in John 1, Jesus is saying that this vision Jacob had was talking about him. Do you see how mind-blowing it is? This is crazy to hear something like that or to say something like that unless it's true. Jesus is saying that vision that Jacob had was talking about me. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And he named this place Bethel. If we want to do a short story about that, Jesus is telling him, I am the new Bethel. I am now the place when heaven and earth reach I am now the place when you meet with God, where God meets man. That is massive. You know, many people try to understand what in the vision was referring to Jesus. But the truth is that what is referring to Jesus is the vision as a whole. Some say it's the latter. Some says, but the vision as a whole. Why? Because John is writing his gospel about around 90, the year 90. And the, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed around 70. And he's writing to a people, he's writing to Jews mostly, and that were questioning themselves, thinking, why? What's the meaning of the temple being destroyed? What's the meaning of all this? Why is the place of worship destroyed? And John gives this meeting with Nathanael and gives this sentence by Jesus to show us and to tell his people, it doesn't matter whether the place is destroyed it doesn't matter if the stones are not in place anymore because the place of worship the place where you meet with God is now Jesus Christ the son of God 
the meeting place between God and man is Jesus. And in him, we have eternal life. And in him, we can reach heaven. And in him, we can have a relationship with God. Jesus, none other. This is none other than the house of God. Jesus Christ coming to save his people. The place where we meet with him. What Jacob saw was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus, Raymond Collins says that Jesus as the replacement of the temple is in fact one of the principal themes in the fourth gospel. And that's big. You will say that to the Samaritan woman in John 4 later. It's not on that mountain, on that mountain, but in spirit and truth. And now it's in Jesus Christ that we can meet with God. That's what he came to do. On that cross, he screamed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at that moment, Jesus was separated from his father in order for us to be reconciled to him. That's massive. And it's all Jesus. That's who Jesus is. It's more than a man. It's the one the scriptures talked about. It's the son of God. It's the son of man talked about in Daniel 7. He is the king of Israel. He is the meeting place between, between men and God. That's who Jesus is. So you ask yourself that question once again. What will you do with this Jesus? The most important question you can ask in your life is, is Jesus really who he says he is? Because if he is, my whole life will change and I need to reorient my life towards him. Here is called today. Follow me. Come and see Don't wait anymore. Come to Jesus. He is the one who gives eternal life. And if you are already in Christ, and I close with this as the worship team approach, as we are Christians who follow hard after Christ, we need to ask ourselves, what will we say to people that we want to reach with the gospel? What will we talk about? I suggest that you do like Philip, like John. And like John the Baptist, you take this book and you say, here it is. Look who Jesus is. Look, come and see. Meet with him. Because he's the most important person in the whole world. He is. He truly is. My whole life will be a dedication to talk about this Jesus. There's nothing more you can do in your life than to come and know him. Know Jesus more and more and more. He says, you will see greater things than these. And yes, the disciples at that time saw greater things Jesus did. And you will see that probably next week with the miracles at at Cana. But as you walk with the Lord, you will see more and more about who Jesus is. You will see more and more glory. And as you see more and more glory, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, you will be transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another until this point when you see him face to face and are changed forever. That's massive. Jesus is that important. Let's pray together. Father, when we look in your word at who Jesus is, it's so humbling to us. Who can stand and say how great we are when we look at Jesus? You are awesome and you came in ways that we were not able to expect. And even today as we open this word, you know each every every heart that is in this place today. 
Father, please make the glory of God shine on the face of Jesus in the hearts of many people in this place. Make our worship to rise to you more fervently than ever before. I pray, Father, that you will save, that you will transform, and that you will make us true disciples, true followers of Christ who are going hard after you and going hard to seek the lost and talked about this important person, this most important person, Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important in our life than to see you shine in your glory and to see you as the most precious gift in the whole world. Father, I pray that hearts will be open to see how great you are. We want to make much about you. As we know you, we love you more and more and more. I want to pray for people in this place that, that struggle so much with thinking that they are alone. Nobody sees them and thinking that nobody sees their struggle, nobody sees who they are or what they are doing. Father, when we talked to Nathaniel, you, you didn't say something that you do, you said something about yourself. You know us and you seize us. I pray that everyone in this place will know that you are here with us. Not more for than a prayer. Father, we bless you. We thank you for Jesus. We just want to lift our heart to you this morning and say how much we love you. Amen.